0: There are a lot of people in Columbia that are excited about the potential that Meyer Anderson Jr. has to offer. But for the Gamecocks, they might need that potential to turn into production sooner rather than later. You are Locked On Gamecocks, your daily podcast on the South Carolina Gamecocks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Gamecock Nation, and welcome back to the Lockdown Gamecocks podcast, your show for the latest headlines and potential storylines on South Carolina Gamecock athletics. I'm Andrew Lyon, the host of this podcast, and also the lead staff writer for Gamecocks Digest over on SI.com. Thank you for making Lockdown Gamecocks your first listen here today. We are free and available on YouTube and also wherever you get your audio podcasts daily. And before we get into this Thursday edition of Locked On Gamecocks, I do want to let y'all know that this episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of the Locked On Podcast Network. Make every moment more. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on today to get started. So on Wednesday's show, we took a quick look at the quarterback position, sort of the kind of season that Spencer Rattler could have, and also the fact that One quarterback might be having to walk out the door after spring practice, depending on how all of that plays out. For today's show, we're now going to divert our attention to the running back room. And more specifically, South Carolina's latest addition to the room in Mario Anderson Jr. And when looking at South Carolina's running back position and how it's currently set up, and the addition of Mario Anderson Jr., I think that South Carolina's offense needs Mario Anderson Jr. to win the starting job at the running back position. And there's a few different reasons why I believe this to be the case. First of all, I think that in terms of the body composition and the play style that Mario Anderson Jr. possesses, that he has the best combination of, of those two facets out of all the running backs in that position group. Because Anderson's play style is, ironically enough, probably the most differentiated out of the entire group. When you look at how he plays compared to Juju McDowell, Dante Miller, who might be back with this team pending a waiver, Lavoisier Carroll, and Dontavius Braswell, who's going to arrive later in the summertime, Almost all of those other running backs are carbon copies of each other in which their speed is their most dangerous trait. They're a little bit smaller in stature in some cases, and they also can catch passes out of the backfield. And of course, those aren't necessarily bad traits to hold against them. But the point is, when you have four or five different running backs in that position group, you want to have varying skill sets out of that room. And honestly and truthfully, Meyer Anderson Jr., he's the one guy that has a bit of a stockier frame, being listed at five foot nine, two 208 pounds. He is primarily a one-cut north-south runner. He's not going to be a guy that's going to do a lot of east-west, juking and jiving type stuff when he is out there on the field. He's going to plant his foot one time, try to find open grass, and pretty much just take off running from that point. And Mario Anderson Jr., I don't think he gets enough credit for the fact that he's got some solid speed behind his wheels. According to his huddle profile, while he was at Newberry College, I would assume, he was recorded as running a 40-yard dash time of 4.49 at one point during his time with the Wolves. And, Mario Anderson Jr. also can fight through contact quite well because of his overall core strength and also his body dexterity as well. So, needless to say, no play style is a perfect play style, but if there's a certain play style that you probably want in the SEC more than anything else, it's the kind of play style that Mario Anderson Jr. possesses, where He's not going to really mess around. He's going to try to get on the field and pretty much do what needs to be done, so to speak. Another reason why I think Meyer Anderson Jr. needs to be the starting running back for South Carolina, why the Gamecocks need him to win the starting job, he's the most experienced back out of the entire group. In his college career, Meyer Anderson Jr. has carried the ball 513 times total. Dante Miller, should he return to the Gamecocks for next season, comes in second place in this aspect, having 258 career carries of his own. And I will say this. I know that some people are going to hear what I just said. And the first thing you're going to say is, Andrew, he was playing Division II football at Newberry College. He's not exactly playing SEC-level athletes or SEC-level defenses Every time he's stepping out there on the field. And I can understand that point to a certain extent. But I feel like when you watch the film of Mario Anderson Jr. You see a guy that is not making plays happen. Just because some of the guys he's going up against from the opposing team. Maybe aren't quite that good. Maybe they're not on his level. I think that more often than not. When you watch Mario Anderson Jr.'s film from last fall at Newberry College, he was more so a creator, a guy that was able to make explosive plays happen because of his own ability, not through the fault of opposing linebackers and defensive backs. Now, does that mean that, you know, maybe those guys always took the perfect angles to try and tackle him? Not necessarily, but Mario Anderson Jr. should not be held liable for that. He is a guy that understands how to attack open space he is able to blow past guys with his speed he also again showcased the ability to fight through contact when multiple defenders were trying to gang tackle him and bring him to the turf these are things that every single good football player possesses the ability to do at any given level of college football so needless to say I don't think the competition level should be held against Mario Anderson Jr. to the extent that some people are doing so. The last reason why I think South Carolina needs Mario Anderson Jr. to win the starting job at South Carolina is the fact that South Carolina's 2023 season is going to start off with a really tough September slate. So South Carolina they cannot afford to play musical chairs or running back by committee at the position throughout the first five weeks. A stretch that's going to include games like a neutral site game against North Carolina in week one, where the Gamecocks are going to have to try to outduel Drake May and the North Carolina Tar Heels offense. Week three, they're going to head to Athens to play the Georgia Bulldogs, who, of course, are the back to back national champs. Week four, they got to play Mississippi State. Where Zach Garnett, who's now the head coach for the Bulldogs, is a defensive-minded coach. And the Bulldogs typically have a pretty solid defense that they field. And then week five, they're going to head to Knoxville to take on the Tennessee Volunteers. Which is going to be a game that is going to be full of emotions. The Volunteers are going to want revenge against the Gamecocks. It is going to be a tough environment on the road. And who knows? Depending on how Joe Milton handles being the starter every single week up there at Tennessee... The Gamecocks might need to score some points to win that game. So, again, needless to say, the coaching staff, and they probably understand this as well, they don't really want to probably twiddle their thumbs trying to figure out who the starting running back is going to be by week three, week four of the regular season. They're going to hope that somebody is probably going to separate themselves from the pack early on, starting in spring practice. And, in my opinion, that running back is needs to be Mario Anderson Jr. because of the play style that he brings to the field, the experience that he has accumulated throughout his career, and also the seriousness of just how quickly the competition is going to ramp up for South Carolina at the start of the 2023 season. Now, getting away from sort of which running back maybe needs to be the one that steps up out of this group. What exactly should be expected out of the running back group as a whole in 2023? We're going to dive into that question in just a couple moments right here on Locked on Gamecocks. Today's show is brought to you by FanDuel. The midway point of the NBA season is here. Now's the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because new customers can get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and also super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores and even three-pointers drained in a contest. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. One NBA bet that I really like for later on today is the game between the Los Angeles Clippers and the Golden State Warriors, where the Warriors are two-and-a-half-point underdogs Facing the Clippers. And in terms of the money line. FanDuel's got the Clippers listed at minus 138. And the Warriors listed at plus 118. I'd put my money down on the Warriors. With the reason being that the Warriors have won three straight games. While the Clippers subsequently have lost three straight games. And here's the thing. In the two matchups that these teams have played up to this point this season. The home team has won in both Contest. So, based on how things are pointing heading into this game, I wouldn't think any differently in this matter. I think the Golden State Warriors are going to win this game outright. So, don't miss your chance to get your no-sweat-first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Welcome back to this Thursday edition of the Lockdown Gamecocks podcast, where we cover your South Carolina Gamecocks every single day. Thank y'all for making Lockdown Gamecocks your first listen or watch here today. Make sure you check out one of our newer podcasts in Locked On College Basketball, where you'll find everything you need to know about college basketball in just one place. Plus, you'll hear from big name experts, insiders, along with coaches and players. Lockdown On College Basketball, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. All right. So we talked about why Mario Anderson Jr. needs to be the guy that takes the reins at the running back position in 2023. But in terms of the group's overall expectations, what should be sort of expected out of this group heading into 2023? Well, in my opinion... South Carolina's running back room is not going to need to carry a sizable load for this offense this upcoming fall. Mainly, they just need to step up when it counts. And I'm mainly talking on third down and also in the red zone. And there's a couple reasons why I feel this way. With what Dow Loggins has said up to this point in the offseason, and I've mentioned this already a couple times on this show... This offense is going to be quarterback-centric. It is going to be based around primarily the strengths of quarterback Spencer Rattler. And the thing is, with Dal Logan's history in the game as being a former quarterback himself at the college level, a guy that has coached quarterbacks pretty much his entire football career up to this point, While I'm not going to sit here and say that it's going to be an air ray type offense to where you're going to see like 50 plus passes being thrown every single contest, I would have to imagine that if you want to really break it down into overall percentages, that South Carolina is probably going to air the ball out a little bit more than put it in the hands of the running backs in 2023. And again, that's not going to be meant as a slight to the running back room, but more so a compliment to number seven because of the talent, of course that Spencer Rattler possesses and has showcased at times during his stay here in Columbia, South Carolina. And the other thing is this. Some people would maybe sit there and actually try to say, well, they should try to run the football more because we don't know what the offensive line is going to look like. A unit that is losing three starters from last year's group. And last year's group, honestly, was still really inconsistent. How do we know that SouthCon's gonna be able to get away with stepping back in the pocket and trying to throw the ball a little bit more this upcoming football season. And in regards to people that might bring up that point, I don't think that the offensive line personally is going to be as big of a concern. Not to say that they're not gonna have any worries about it, but I don't think things are going to be as bad with that group because my thing is this I truly believe that Dow Loggins is going to be able to scheme up better ways to work around that position group's deficiencies a lot better than Marcus Satterfield did. Let's be honest. The way that Marcus Satterfield called his offense throughout the time that he was here at South Carolina, the one position group that usually got put in harm's way the most or maybe had the greater chance of being somewhat exposed during a particular play was the offensive line the amount of five, seven, eight step drop back passes that were in the playbook? Which, again, all that does is create more space for the offensive line to have to try and cover more quickly and also be able to protect against these speed rushers off the edge in the SEC. And there were a lot of times last year in certain games, probably like Georgia, like Missouri, and a couple of the games as well, where South Carolina's offensive line unit just wasn't able to handle that. And again, that was not all on them. More so, it was on the play caller For not understanding at some points that, you know, if you're going to call those kind of plays, maybe keep an extra blocker or two back there in the pocket. So, to get back to the running back position, I think that because South Carolina is going to have a better scheme for their offensive line up front... That that is going to allow them the opportunity to call more passing plays for Spencer Rattler. Where Spencer Rattler can get into more of a rhythm. He can be more comfortable. And again, the offense will be run around his strengths. Which, in essence, is going to take pressure off of the guys that are lining up behind him at the running back position. Think about this. I know some of you all would say that Marshawn Lloyd was a guy that dealt with a lot of injuries during his time here at South Carolina and obviously the deep thigh bruise and torn ACL injuries that he did suffer did take a lot of time away from him when he was hurt and off of the field. But Marshawn Lloyd still deserves a lot of credit for what he did last season when the offensive line wasn't able to block very well when again there was plays being called such as mainly zone blocking plays in the running game where again the whole point is to cover ground before you even really start to engage a defender. And sacramento's offensive line, just quite honestly, was not fully equipped or the best equipped to do that last year. And Marshawn Lloyd took a lot of unnecessary hits back there and had to really make up for that. I don't think that that's going to be as big of an issue purely because of who's going to be calling plays in 2023. So for South Carolina's offense, I think that when they are in third and short situations, or maybe they're deep in the red zone, that is where South Carolina's running back room is going to have to really showcase their skill sets. I think that with Mario Anderson Jr.'s power and explosiveness, Juju McDowell's ability to quite literally shake any defender loose in the open field, and then you combine just the pure speed of Lavassier Carroll, Adante Miller, and also Dontavius Braswell, who again will join the team this upcoming summer, that is where those guys are going to need to show up the most. And again, I think that if you couple that with the play-calling ability that I think that Dow Loggins is going to possess for this team this upcoming season, South Carolina's running backs are going to be put in solid situations where they're going to have their skills best showcased in those kind of situations. So again, I don't think that South Carolina's running back room is going to need to carry the onus of the offensive burden in 2023, but these guys are still going to have their role. And if South Carolina wants to win a couple of these games, especially early on In the 2023 football season, this running back room is going to need to be selectively great, sort of when it really counts the most in those key situations. All right, now let's take a detour from football and head on over to the women's basketball front, where South Carolina's women's basketball team is right now currently. waiting for their first opponent to be decided in the SEC Women's Basketball Tournament. In terms of how sort of South Carolina's path is currently set up, the Gamecocks are going to be playing the winner of the Missouri-Arkansas matchup that is taking place at noon later today. And if the Gamecocks wound up moving on past the quarterfinals and going on to the semifinals, they would play the winner of Ole Miss versus either Texas A&M or Mississippi State. And then if South Carolina makes it all the way to the championship Sunday, they would likely play maybe Tennessee, LSU, or Georgia. Those are the three teams that I would sort of look at for the opposite side of the bracket. Now, in terms of the bracket and how it's currently set up for South Carolina, I think that there is clearly an easier path and also a very difficult path for the Gamecocks to try to ironically enough, get some revenge in the SEC Women's Basketball Tournament and avenge their just shocking loss in the championship game from last year that came against the Kentucky Wildcats. In terms of the Gamecocks' easier path, I think that South Carolina would probably much rather play Missouri than Arkansas in the quarterfinals. And honestly, you might be willing to sit there and say that they could play either one, they would be okay. And I would completely agree with you on that. But in terms of overall play style... I think that Missouri's play style is just not the play style that's conducive to being South Carolina, where they run a lot of screen action sort of around the perimeter, try to get a lot of three-point shots up, which, again, when they played South Carolina for their one meeting earlier this season, it worked for about the first 10 minutes. But then after that, South Carolina's defense adjusted, and they pretty much shut down that aspect of their game and forced them to have to try to drive a lot more to the rim, something that is not primarily a strength of this Missouri Tigers basketball squad. So, I think that they would want to play Missouri in the quarterfinals. In the semifinals, this one's a little bit tougher to discern, but I would probably pick Mississippi State. Because here's the thing. Ole Miss, who has already got the automatic two matchup by heading into the quarterfinals, they are one of the teams that play South Carolina the toughest in conference play and that's been the case for now the last two regular seasons and Ole Miss was South Carolina's most recent scare that they had in the regular season as the Rebels took the Gamecocks all the way to overtime in Oxford not too long ago and with the way that they run their defense and the energy and passion that Coach Joe has with that squad I don't think that's necessarily a team that the Gamecocks would like to have to deal with heading on into the semifinals. Again, you could argue that they would probably still find a way to win on a neutral floor, but we're talking about the easier path. And I think that in terms of the easier path, Mississippi State would offer that up a little bit more so than Ole Miss would in this round. And then moving on to Championship Sunday, this is one that would probably shock some people. I actually think that between, say, Tennessee, LSU, and Georgia working off that group, I think that LSU would be the easier matchup for South Carolina. It's a team that they've already, of course, played one time earlier this year, and the Tigers, in my opinion, are still basically a two-person show with Alexis Morris at point guard and Angel Reese at the fourth spot. And I just don't think that LSU matches up very well with South Carolina one bit. I think South Carolina, on a neutral floor, even without home court advantage, could just dominate LSU once again. I think they could own the glass and give themselves a bevy of opportunities to score more points on offense. And I just don't think that LSU would have an answer for the depth that South Carolina has, especially assuming that LSU, you know, it would be the third game in three days For Both of these teams and in terms of overall accumulated fatigue that would be a situation that would favor South Carolina more so than the LSU Tigers. Now in terms of the most difficult path for South Carolina take the in first from the first couple of rounds. I think that South Carolina playing Arkansas in the quarterfinals would be a little bit more of a challenge compared to facing the Missouri Tigers because I think that Arkansas possesses more of an inside-out ability on offense, and that's pretty much the sole reason why I have them listed there, but again, I still don't think that South Carolina would be okay in that matchup. Ole Miss in the semifinals. For everything I mentioned earlier, again, Ole Miss plays South Carolina really hard, and They just seem to be one of the teams in this conference that knows how to match up against the Gamecocks and knows sort of which buttons to press, especially on the defensive end when going against South Carolina's offense. So South Carolina, again, probably would not like to face Ole Miss once again in the semifinals. In terms of Championship Sunday and which team from the other side of the bracket could give South Carolina their toughest test on that day. I have the Georgia Bulldogs in this one. And this was a very tough pick between Georgia and Tennessee. But the reason why I picked Georgia is this. For South Carolina to lose a game against any team at this point in women's college basketball, they have to play a team that plays really good team defense, which Georgia does, and essentially a team that can muck things up for them, but also still has a couple of players that can score. And Georgia's got a solid scoring threat in Diamond Battles on their team. And again, defensively speaking, they've done quite well against South Carolina. I believe in both matchups this season, South Carolina was held to both 67 and 73 points, which is a solid, I believe, at least 10 points or lower than what their scoring average was throughout the entire regular season. For Tennessee, while Tennessee definitely has a solid dynamic duo there in Jordan Horston and Rakia Jackson, I just don't think that Tennessee's got the overall defensive makeup to be able to, again, slow down South Carolina's offense for an entire 40 minutes. I think that Georgia, on the other hand, has the ability to possibly do that. So, I think that in terms of South Carolina's hardest path, they would not want to play Arkansas, which again, you know... Pick whoever you want there, really. They would definitely not want to play Ole Miss, and I really don't think that the Gamecocks would want to face off against Georgia on Championship Sunday, should they make it all the way to Sunday, of course. And I have to be honest, I really do believe that Georgia has a chance to potentially make it all the way to the finals in the SEC Women's Basketball Tournament. So again, for South Carolina, all that's going to start on Friday, but today is when South Carolina fans Really need to start paying attention because Missouri and Arkansas do play later today at 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. But with that being said, y'all, that's going to do it for today's show of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast. I hope y'all thoroughly enjoyed today's show as always. In terms of the running back position group at South Carolina, do you think that there's a guy that needs to grab the reins of that starting spot? Do you think it's Mario Anderson Jr.? Or do you think the Gamecocks could actually get away with having a running back by committee approach early on this next season. Let me know your thoughts, as always, down below in the comments section. If you're watching today's show on YouTube or if you listen to today's show on an audio podcast app, you can hit me up on Twitter at a line underscore SC and I'll respond to anything that you got for me as quickly as I see it. And once again, don't forget to make Lockdown College Basketball your second watch or listen Now that you have watched or listened to the Locked On Gamecocks podcast but once again y'all that does it for me on today's show have a great rest of your Thursday and I will catch y'all on the next show of the Lockdown On Gamecocks podcast.